This is a Sydney EO production. Welcome to episode 14 of the Sydney EO Business Podcast. I'm Brendan Tarazzi, the host of the show, and today I'm with Gina Lednyak from LNA Social. Hi, Gina. Hello, Brendan. Well, it's, um, it's really nice to go around to different members' offices, and I'm sitting here in your new office in Surrey Hills. It looks fantastic. Thank how, you. Um, it's kind of, how would you describe it? It's like a cool sort of warehouse space yeah. right in the middle of Surrey Hills. And yeah, it's a, good, it's a good warehouse conversion, so it's beautiful old building, um, but done up really nicely, so very excited to be did, here. Did it take long to move in here? No, we actually moved over the break, so it didn't take too long at all. But a bit of planning to find the space. It took a long time to find the right space. I actually walked by this building a bunch of times thinking, I wonder how I could find an office in a building like this. Oh, wow. And then one day I just... It, it came was, up. Yeah, it came up. So we actually um, were in the middle of a few other potential deals and yeah, ended up this ended up just being the best solution for us. Yeah, right place, right time yeah. and all fell into place. Yeah, very lucky. That's great. Well, I want to talk a little bit about LNA Social, but before I do that, can you tell me your surname? It, um, tell me about your origin and, and um, you know, obviously you, you've got a not a complete Aussie accent, so yeah. tell us about how you arrived in Australia and what your background was. And Yeah, so I was born in Belarus, so Belarus still when it was part of the USSR and under kind of the communism umbrella and when the Soviet Union broke up my family and I escaped to New York so we were really lucky that we were able to get out and settled in Harlem for a little while kind of getting getting my family really had to find their way back um, to being on their feet and redoing their degrees and everything like that. So what, what year was this? That was in 1991. Okay wow so not that long ago, really. No, yeah. I guess yeah. not that long ago. It's not ago. really that long ago. <laughs> yeah, and so grew up in Brooklyn, which was fantastic. And um, kind of growing up, we moved around a lot, which was really good for learning about communication and the way different communities operated. You know, in Brooklyn was such a melting pot of different people and different languages, and I just became obsessed with communication and okay. how different communities operate. And so when you first arrived in the States, did you speak English, or was that a learning curve as well? No, none of us spoke English. So wow. loads of um, funny stories about, you know, getting in trouble at school and having no idea of what the hell anyone was saying to me. <laughs> <laughs> and so how old were you when you, when you came from Belarus? I was Belarus? six years old. Oh, wow. Okay. And siblings? Yeah, so I have a little brother, but he was born later on when we'd already settled. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And mum and dad, are they still in the States? Still or? in New York, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. cool. And so that sort of, what, that started you off for the whole communication process? and It did. And I, I always, um, you know, I always loved words. I always loved language and reading and writing. And I went on to Boston University to study psychology. And when I was entering university... I got an email inviting me to test out this platform called the Facebook. Oh, right. Okay. I've heard of that before. Right? Yeah. And I remember <laughs> looking at that email and thinking, oh, this is quite interesting and logging on. And I actually found my flatmate who ended up being my best friend 
through Facebook and we ended up moving in together at Boston University and studying abroad together in Australia, which is how I ended up moving here. Okay. Okay, so cool. So it definitely has had a pretty big impact on my life from yeah. the very beginning. And so when did you move to Australia? So came here about, it'll be, it's just turned 11 years now. All right. Okay. And so that obviously something about Australia made you want to stay here. What, I loved what was that, it. Do you think? Yeah. I loved it. The day I remember getting off the airplane and stepping onto the ground and just thinking, I'm going to move back here. And a few little things happened. You know, I loved it here. I discovered the word entrepreneurship. So growing up in a Russian family, there's a lot of engineers and a lot of people with a name to their title. And I just never really thought about it. But from a young age, I had always had different businesses, a million different jobs and side hustles. But I didn't really learn the word entrepreneur and think of being a business owner until I came to Australia. Okay, so do you think that um, growing up in Belarus and I guess the, the hardship that you went through when you were younger, do you think that's kind of helped you in business in a way? Yeah, definitely. I think from, from a young age, I've always had that little bit of hustle. So, yeah. you know, if I wanted a bike when I was growing up, we'd have to walk up and down the streets in Brooklyn and find it on the side of the road. Or yeah. if there was a book I wanted, you know, we would just walk up and down and just find it on the street. Yeah. And I remember at 13 getting into a fight with my parents because I wanted a pair of jeans and they said, no, they're too expensive. So I went out and convinced a new cafe that had opened to give me a job. And then in that cafe, I started selling chocolate-covered coffee beans and reading people's tarot cards. And oh, wow. It just kind of, yeah, so it, just, tarot it just gave cards, me a lot a, of hustle. That's a, because a, uh, I, I went through a stint where I did, they were, I read cards for about 18 months and it sort of came and then went. Tell me about, tell me about the tarot cards. How, <laughs> how long I were you doing that for? To be honest, I was just looking at what people were into. It was okay. a really cool cafe, like an RD chess playing, chain smoking cafe. Yeah, wow. So I just thought it was yeah. the right demographic. Yeah, right. And so, um, and so fast forward now to today, you've got LNA Social. Do you want to explain the name? The, the, sure. Yeah, behind the name, yeah. the business name. So I started the company and I was always very anti having a service business. I don't think I actually understood the potential of it when I was younger, when I first came here. And I started freelancing in social media and consulting in social media to first initially to make enough money to promote a dating company that I had. And one day I realized, hey, social media is really taking off and I'm getting inquiries from loads of huge clients from Samsung and lots of alcohol companies. What, what year was this, just to rewind back a little bit? This was in about 2008, 2009. So, so pretty early, really on. early on. Yeah. 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 And I was working with, a, I guess, coach, consultant person around developing a business and she said to me, because I was 23 and I never wore any corporate clothes and refused to put on any real shoes, yeah. <laughs> so I'd show up to huge corporate board meetings with 10 dudes sitting in the room, but in a summer dress and flip-flops. And but that's, that's kind of what they would expect in a way, don't yeah. you think? Like social media marketing or was there actually such a term back in 2008? A little or? bit. It was, it was starting to get there and especially towards 2009, 2010, it was starting to get there and I felt like they weren't taking me seriously and her suggestion was, why don't you call the company something really official like Ledniak and Associates? So called it Ledniak and Associates, which was fantastic until I actually had Associates and I realized how dorky the name was. Yeah. Yep. So that ended up sh shortening it to Ellen Day Social which okay. is what we're called today. Okay. And so you've got about 25 staff. Yeah. 
how do you fund them all? Is it, uh, that's what I look at because I just go, wow, it's, that's a lot of bodies on the ground. You must have some recurring revenues or some predictability so you, mm. can, you can afford to employ all these people. Definitely. And one of the interesting things with social media is that it really, it really is something that once you start doing and doing well, you see the results of it and you want to keep doing it on an ongoing basis. Hmm. So I'd say size-wise, we're the perfect size that we're able to deliver a really amazing, cost-effective, personalized solution to a client. But on our back end, we're able to do that in a really nice and systemized way. Yeah. So we partner with clients usually for years and years, unless you know there's a drastic change in their business, we'll keep working with them on a monthly basis. Yeah, cool. So uh, clients are signed up for years or are they just on a month-to-month basis? They usually sign up for six to 12 months. However, we don't usually have clients leave. Yeah. And obviously, we are, we are really focused on adding value. One of my yeah. personal beliefs is that if you're working with someone, you should be adding value. And Oops. <laughs> there we go. That, some, that wasn't meant to happen. We've got some yep. cool music yeah. going on there. <laughs> that was the outro. When, when uh, nowhere near the outro yet. So. <laughs> was that like a talk faster? Shut up. Uh, that, that was, uh, yeah bit of a technical glitch on my part sorry about that uh, that is totally okay but yeah we tend to work with clients and i genuinely really really strongly feel that if you're not adding value to someone then yeah you shouldn't work together and i think social media is a way for a brand to actually empower the end consumer and give the end consumer something that's valuable that makes their day a little bit better or teaches them something or makes their life a little bit more interesting so I'm a big believer that you could use social media to create more magic in the world. Yeah, for sure. And with these corporate clients, what are, the, what are they actually looking for? I know everyone's different, but what makes a customer happy at the moment with social media? Like is it it's not just likes or is it comments? or Tell me, tell me what people are looking for. So I, I always bring it back to, I guess, my background in psychology and we approach social media with a pretty strong psychology twist to it and you know a brand wants to find their tribe and they want to find their community so really the way in which you do that has changed but that's always been the case a brand and a business has always wanted to find their tribe communicate a good targeted message to them and get them to take a particular action um one of the biggest shifts that we've seen in the last couple of years is that really solid content is becoming more and more important. So whereas before a brand could get away with having a strategy and implementation and you know some dodgy iPhone images, now you really need good content and solid storytelling. And you also need it delivered in a really authentic way. So I'd say the reason companies work with us is having solid strategy, solid implementation, and a lot of analysis and ongoing measurement mixed with having an internal team that creates all the social content. Yeah, so you guys are like the outsourced social media We're, department yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, and end-to-end social. And we do yeah. really see ourselves as an extension of our client's team. Yeah, so it's not just like posting on Instagram and Facebook. It, do you extend those promotions, I don't know, like face-to-face things that then lead back into Insta or... Not so much. So we're, we're very online. focused on just social, yeah. um, just social and just online. However, I guess thinking of why are you posting what you're posting to Instagram and what do you hope to achieve by posting it and then how do you actually turn whatever you're posting onto Instagram into what the brand KPI might be. Yeah. So there's so much interesting things that you could do now with 
how you target content and how you reach out to the consumer. And especially, you know, with advertising and with influencer partnerships, there's really a lot of scope for a brand to make a good impact. Can you think of an example that you could share of, I don't know, some kind of post that's, you know, wildly exceeded yeah. your expectations and maybe your client expectations and, you know, yeah. creates that real, oh my God, wow, that's incredible what just happened. So we just, this happened about, I think, four months ago, and we were launching Recorder Lake. Recorder Lake's a really famous Swedish cider, amazing, amazing cider brand, and we were launching a new product for them called Cider Cocktails. Um, so we created a post that was all three bottles lined up together, but what we looked at was how all of their most successful posts were framed um, and what kind of coloring was used and everything like that. So I looked at the analysis of, you know, what had happened the last couple of years because we've worked with them for a long time, and we used that to create the post that we created, which to the end consumer looked like a really beautiful, simple post. Um, so beautiful, simple post, but with a shitload of analysis in the background, yeah. mixed with launching a product that was already really exciting and without any advertising, it reached millions and millions and millions oh, that's of cool. people it went absolutely viral it got picked up by lad bible and all the viral websites amazing to the point where we were getting some calls from other regions being upset at us because it had gone so viral but it was only in the australian market so because it's a global brand so that was a that was a really exciting success story and it really impacted the brand in a positive light and, and so for the the end, I guess, customer, what does that do to their business when they get something go viral like that? The phones are ringing off the hook and or opportunities? Well, hopefully people or, are going in, you know, into store for us because we work with a lot of consumer brands and yeah. kind of bigger, bigger consumer brands. Hopefully people are either going into store and purchasing or they're ordering the product directly from the website or they're signing up to a wait list of some sort to get the product in the future. And does, do your customers give you that feedback? definitely yeah yeah Yeah. Mm. well i guess that's going back to that idea of adding value and i guess if they can see their sales you know a post is made and then their sales spike and yeah and they've just paid paid, potentially paid for the whole um (laughs) service fee for the whole year because you've you've done created some amazing content yeah definitely it's exciting because i think it's probably one of the most measurable marketing varieties and in the past we just haven't had that luxury to be able to really track and measure the efforts of what we're doing mm. and so how is it changing because i mean social is constantly changing right mm-hmm. and how do you keep on top of that so we work across a lot of consumer brands probably 50 or 60 you know really solid brands so as soon as there's a change we often know about it before you know before even Facebook announces it or Instagram announces it so we usually pick things up because there's a trend or we see an anomaly on one page and then a day later we see it on another um, so it's, re- it's really just having your finger on the pulse but it does make I'd say everyone's job at LNA really exciting because you're it's constantly, constantly the algorithm is yeah, changing exactly and, and you were mentioning before that advertising now is like because I imagine 2008 you could post anything you like and it would go nuts. Yeah. Now it's all restricted. And yeah. You, you've got to kind of pay for it now, don't you? Yeah, you do. And I remember when advertising first rolled out, like I remember testing it as soon as it 
became available and you know actions and clicks and everything being like three cents two cents yeah <laughs> and really i mean it makes sense because they've built this platform and they've gotten critical mass and they've gotten brands and consumers to use it so i think facebook and instagram obviously needs a way to monetize it what i am quite happy about is that Obviously, advertising means you have to spend more money, but it also means that you're able to target things really well rather than, you know, I'd rather 10 yeah, that's really right. great people saw one of the brands we work with rather yeah. than 50 kind and, of And so I guess, that, I guess that's what you do. You have to you look at a brand, see what their target market is. It might be, I don't know, females living in Sydney between the ages of 30 and 35 that, you know, and you can do mm. that hyper-targeting now. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. pretty cool. And it's cool for the consumer as well because we don't like to be interrupted. You know, we want things that align with what we're interested in and what our con- online behaviors are. So I actually think it works both ways. I think it adds value back to the consumer and I think it makes brands messaging way more effective. So when I walked in uh, into the front of your office, I saw that you'd won the 2016 Telstra Businesswoman of the Year. That's a, that was an amazing achievement. How did yeah, that, how did that awesome. come about? Um, I'd actually, I so I'd been in it a couple of years ago when I was a finalist and had just the best experience, met the most beautiful group of women. Um, yeah, and then someone nominated me two years ago and I won, which is really exciting. So yeah. I won the young women's one. Oh, the young women's. Yeah. Okay, even better. Yeah, and it, was, um, <laughs> and it was fantastic because one of our other members, Lindsay, was the one that was going up on stage and she'd actually seen that I was the winner and had to avoid me for the whole night so that she didn't give it away. Or oh, so she was trying to be really um, so sneaky about it. We, you were in EO back then? Yeah, yeah. I was, yep. And Lindsay was as well? Yeah. Oh. So it was that's kind funny. of quite funny because yeah. she won the previous year, so she was handing over the award. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. It was really nice. It was awesome. And, and so tell me about the journey after that. What happened after you won that award? Like, to be honest, I think it's just business as usual. And I think probably the biggest thing that it does is it maybe shows the team and the people that you work with, I guess, that the business is... what they're working for. Yeah, yeah. just that there's outside validity of the business that, you know, someone else has come in and said, it's great. But I think it's more about the people you meet and the journey. And it is nice. I think as entrepreneurs, you don't get recognized that much. Mm. Um, You know, when you're the boss of a company... You, you definitely say thank you a million times to everyone and I think it's probably one of the hardest jobs emotionally so it's really nice when you do get recognised. Yeah. Now you seem like you've got a high percentage of women working for you. We do, what, yeah. What, what is the... What is the are there any guys... Oh, I can there see are. a guy over there. But yeah. <laughs> um, what's, the, what's the ratio of the 25? Um, how, many, how many guys have you got We're not too bad. I think we've got six or seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, but okay. we are um, we are a predominantly female leadership team. Okay. Um, not on purpose, but it has been a really good experience working with really you know great. We're so lucky. We have such an incredible leadership team and such an incredible management team. Yeah. And I think gender has just never been an issue in the yeah. company, whether you're male or female or young or old. I think we're really really supportive of people's skill sets, and I think. For me, having a business is about creating opportunities for people and having a place to work that gives people a chance to make an impact and grow and learn. So, yeah, it's, it's really exciting for me when 
you could elevate people to the next yeah, level. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And talking about learning, you're the next learning chair starting yeah. in July. How are you feeling about that? Good, I'm really excited. Um, Francisca and I have, you know, we work so well together. And Steve's the new learning co-chair now. So I think, you know, learning's gone strength to strength with everyone that's done it so far. So I'm really excited to bring in some kick-ass speakers for next year and have maybe a few, I think really the journey everything's gone on last year is creating more unique experiences. And that's definitely the direction I'll continue going in. I think, Hmm. you know, there's so much scope to what we could do through EO. Yeah. How long have you been in EO for? It's been about four years. Okay. And how things changed during that journey? Uh, to be honest, um, you know, my friend group completely changed. I think I found a group of people that understand me and that are able to not always tell me, hey, you're doing awesome, but are able to kind of, you know, hold me to a high standard and call me out on my shit. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, really magical because I think it's so rare in life that you're able to be completely one million percent honest with people and that level of vulnerability and being held accountable to what you say instead of being told that you're doing a great job I think is really really critical for humans to just grow yeah I guess I mean that's the thing when you've got lots of people in EO that are also going through the same dealing with the same sort of issues and yeah you know know what it's it can be quite lonely when you're running a business by yourself and Mm. you've got friends that aren't maybe working for other people that don't quite get it so completely and also I think the freedom to travel is amazing and I think that's something sometimes you don't find with your normal friend group that if you want to just go do something crazy you know I'm doing my sailing license at the moment and I had struggled the last 10 years to find anyone to do the whole thing with me. Okay. Literally in an hour, I asked Francisco, Lisa, and Andrea, who used to be an EO, and um, a few other people, hey, do you want to do your sailing skipper's license? And in three seconds, they're like, yeah, yeah we're definitely, on. why not? <laughs> so, <laughs> That's awesome. I think having a, you know, a lot of awesome adventure buddies and people yeah. that are just up for stuff. Yeah, for you know, sure. It's such a yes culture. It's really awesome yeah. for that. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, well, we're going to wrap up now, Gina. I've just got a few short questions to ask you. Um, Do you mind me asking how old you are? I am 32. Okay, and what do you like to do to keep fit? I haven't seen you down the beach lately, actually. I know. Well, I haven't. I've been swimming. You just haven't seen me on a surfboard. So I will do anything out there, to be honest. I love activities so much. (laughs) Swimming, surfing, um, running. Boxing, okay. cycling. Yep, cool. Any any available activity depending on the weather. So with all that activity, how much sleep do you get each night? I don't sleep super. I don't sleep that much actually. Maybe like six hours. Okay. Or it depends. It depends on my mood. I'll go through phases. Yep. Okay. Okay. And um, do you have any personal goals you're looking to achieve in the next twelve months? Yes, I'd like to do the Sydney to Hobart. Oh, so you're not just getting your skipper's license, you just throw the Sydney to Hobart in there as well. Nice. And (laughs) I'd like to skipper a boat in Greece. Oh, cool. And what else? I've got a lot. I want to start surfing on a hardboard a lot more because I'm still on a softboard. So I'd like to make sure I'm awesome on a hardboard. And Mm -hmm. I'd also like to do more investing personally. Okay. And then what business achievement would you like to be most remembered for? I think for making the world a better place by helping people be happy at work. So the way I see it is if I could create an environment where 25 people feel fulfilled and happy, then they go out into the world as happy, fulfilled people, which has a really good impact on the people around them. Yeah, it's a ripple effect, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's great. What a, that's, a, that's a really nice um, thing to be remembered for. Thank you. Now, uh, one last question. What's your website, just so people can check out what you do? So it's about to get a revamp, but okay. it is landasocial.com. So landasocial.com. Okay, fantastic. Thanks very much for coming on the show, Jenna. Thank you for having me.